All right, and welcome to the Golf Podcast Live, brought to you by FanDuel, our new affiliate partner. I'm your host, Raphael Kalamite, alongside Michael Bleakley. Lots to talk about today. Champions Tour in Hawaii, PGA Tour in California, LPGA in Florida, top 10 funny and embarrassing golf stories with the top 10 list. But before we get started, uh, we've got a very special guest. He is the six-time World Long Drive champion. He's also a pharmacist specializing in doping control, uh, TPI certified instructor, considered the goat in distance when it comes to 40 titles. Like that's, that's incredible. 40 titles. Welcome to the show, Jason Zubak. Oh, thank you very much, Raphael and Mike. Uh, pleasure to be with you guys today and hopefully we'll have some good uh, content and fun stuff for, uh, to discuss. Absolutely. Thanks for coming. Yeah, we're thrilled to have you. We usually start off the show because our listeners and our viewers don't necessarily uh, know everything about golf and uh, long drive. You know, the sphere of golf in long drive has gotten so much bigger over the last couple of years. Tell us about your journey, how you got involved with golf and where you are today. Uh, sure. Uh, yeah, it's uh, the long drive aspect is, uh, you know, for those of you who don't know that like you've perhaps seen it on uh, network television through the years, ESPN and NBC, CBS, uh, the Golf Channel and such. Um, yeah, right now we're kind of left without a TV partner. Hopefully that gets rectified in the, in the you know, sooner than later. But um, uh, the long drive is a competition that uh, it's essentially who hits the ball the farthest. And it's set out, it, originally it was a multi-stage qualification process um, where you would have to go through local qualification, regional qualification, then make it to the world championship at that time. And there was qualification sites all over the world. And at times we had, um, you know, in the neighborhood of 20,000 people that would vie to compete at that world championship. Wow. And then once you made it to the, uh, it had been in Las Vegas and in Mesquite, Nevada, and then, uh, and then in Oklahoma um, uh, at the Windstar um, uh, Resort Hotel Casino uh, the last few years, and now it's moved back to Mesquite, Nevada. But uh, this competition, it, um, it generally it's six chances and your longest counts it has to stay within the defined boundary. So it's generally about 50 yards wide. In the early days, it was narrower, like 40 yards wide. And it's a, it's expanded to uh, almost 80 yards at times as well. And you get six tries, your longest ball that lands in play stays in play. And you just have to keep advancing through the rounds. And, um, uh, you know, that's, you know, kind of a, a brief synopsis of log drive and the last one standing wins. And there's been a number of different ones where we've had match play competitions, where we've had, um, uh, you, you know, where half the competitors keep advancing through the brackets and then you have a final shootout with eight competitors. Uh, but I started this journey in the log drive in 1996, 95, way back, uh, you know, long, long time ago. And I originally started in golf regularly playing as a junior in Lethbridge, started with my father that introduced me to the game and uh, really gravitated towards the power aspect. You know, I'd rather, you know, hit a bunch of 300 yard drives when I was young than shoot a good score at times, right? So I, uh, I was really enthralled by distance and kind of whatever. I played a wide variety of sports, uh, slap shot and hockey, uh, tried to run the fastest, jump the highest, uh, you know, maybe didn't have the physical attributes to do a lot of those things, but I, it was always these power elements in sport that really attracted me, throwing the baseball, uh, hitting a baseball, tennis serve, hitting a tennis forehand. And, uh, you know, golf was uh, in that wheelhouse as well, trying to drive as far as I can. Um, that, you know, first time I made it to the, the championship in 1996, I won the whole thing. And, you know, up until that point, it's, you know, there's a, a, a big um, accumulation of guys and people that have been in for years. And that was kind of unheard of that you just show up one year and win it. Uh, it's usually established guys that know the format, that have paid their dues. And uh, in 1997, I came back and they said, well, this little Canadian guy, he just got lucky. And the next year I won the whole thing again. And then one again in 1998 and again in 99. So four in a row. And then uh, I lost by one yard in 2000 uh, to a big sweet Swedish fellow, Victor Johansson. And that was the four in a row. And then on my 10th anniversary, won my fifth title uh, in the open division, which is open to everybody. And then in 2015, I, in my first crack at the, what they call the senior division or the 
Champions Division. It's had a number of different names, but uh, in that division, over 45 years of age, I've won that title my first crack. So uh, six titles total in 20 years of competing. So it's it's been a pretty good percentage uh, for myself winning, but uh, it's been a lot of work and a lot of, a lot of sacrifice in between. And uh, it's been amazing because it's taken me all over the world to do exhibitions and clinics and represent great brands like the Titleist brand, the Pinnacle brand, Cobra brand. Uh, Crank uh, Golf Clubs, uh, Puma brand, um, yeah, you, you know, so many through the years that uh, uh, have given me the opportunity and uh, to travel the world and display my talent and also display for the sport, um, you know, to promote the sport, pr promote golf in general, because sometimes people, you know, they may not aspire to be the best player, but they enjoy the game and maybe this little element can get them hooked on the game and keep them going and enjoy golf for a lifetime and uh you know if they want to hit it far and they want to uh participate in any of the divisions open the senior uh, the women's division uh and there's there's some there's a place for everyone and uh it's uh, it, it's certainly been a, a big part of my life and i've enjoyed the ride it's a pretty amazing ride because i remember watching some of your competitions back in the day and and uh, while researching you uh, this past week, I came across an old CBC spot, uh, you know, that followed you around. And it was pretty, pretty cool. Um, but I just want to read a couple of quick bullet points here from your your long list of accomplishments. And, and for fun, uh, longest drive in competition, 463 yards. Longest drive witnessed on a golf course, 520 yards. Um and th this one's fun driving it down the runway 714.1 <laughs> yards kind of makes you think of don johnson schooling uh tin cup uh, you know, uh back in the day so and, and your ball speed 223.7 miles an hour and uh i believe um i mean this this is the the, the roadmap for what we're seeing now with you know kyle berkshire getting a lot of popularity and 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 bryson dechambeau jumping over and and um competing in the long drive things and, and maybe that's going to help your tv spot uh you know in the future seeing some of the uh, you know the pga pros come over but i think what a lot of people will be curious about is the rest of your game what's your short game like what 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 is your your if you're going out to play 18 holes uh what's your score uh what, what do you keep a handicap you can share a little bit about that well sure <laughs> obviously when you're trying to concentrate on hey the goal the golf ball as far as possible uh the the you know if you're trying to be the best in the world at it um there's a finite amount of time that you can devote to the, you know the finer elements of golf the putting the chipping uh you know distance control uh trajectory control the things we need to play really well mm -hmm. um i grew up playing like a uh, junior uh, high-level tournaments, Alberta junior uh, and such through the years and Alberta amateur through the years. And so it, my, my playing background is pretty good and I really enjoy the game. Um, you know, my best is, I think I, at one time a plus four handicap and I tried to play a little bit sort of professionally. Well, I, I'm also a pharmacist as well. And mm. back when I was practicing pharmacy, I was trying to play a little bit and going through my uh my pharmacy training at, at the university of alberta i was trying to play a little bit but you know as you know it's tough to compete at the highest level with the guys that do it full-time but uh, you know a number of times i've qualified monday monday qualified for the canadian tour played in the uh the um back uh buy.com back here when it was the calgary event and such so by playing you know i wouldn't say i'm an exceptional player but it, you know i can hold my own nowadays yeah. Back a few years ago when I was playing a lot more, you know, if I play well, I'd shoot pretty, you know, I could get it, you know, three, four, five, six, seven under. Uh, and then if I didn't play so well, it'd be a few over, depending on the, uh, you know, how many uh, strokes I'm uh, donating. Uh, but I, I would say like a, about a scratch handicap now. And, you know, those days where things are working well, I can play well and, and not. But, uh, you know, that probably where I struggle the most is, you know, my short game, I worked on it when I was younger so much, but um, you know, just, you know, distance control a little bit, um, as well, you know, some of the finite, you know, or the, uh, the, the touch shots, the chipping, the pitching, uh, you know, not, I was always being a good green reader, but again, if you're not practicing putting all the time, if you're not practicing those, the short game, the recovery, it, it, it makes it tough. So that's where I struggle a little bit in the distance control. And, you know, we see Kyle Berkshire, the, uh, 
uh, the current uh, PLDA world champion. He's trying to play a little bit now, and it's um, it, it is difficult when you're pushing that max speed button down all the time, and then you're also trying to you know play the game because you know we we we, we don't operate at 100% with the irons generally, the wedges you know around the green, so. It's, it's tough to throttle that back and just have that consistency of trajectory, spin, velocity coming off the irons as well to, uh, to be able to you know, hit close approach shots as well as have that feel and touch around the greens. Oh, absolutely. You know, I think there's a big misconception with long driving. Um, now it's becoming more uh, mainstream or we're seeing, you know, Bryson uh, getting into the game. And because he has such a big following, I think last year's World Long Drive Championships uh, got a lot of views um, and uh, the Golf Channel even covering it as much as they did. Um, I, what's your take on Kyle and, and Bryson? Because, you know, you are an entertainer after all. I mean, that's why, you know, you went on The Late Show with Craig Kilborn. I don't know if anybody remembers that, but the, that Mike mentioned that CBC piece you did with... Uh, uh, Tom Alderman, who was really great at his documentaries, kind of growing up watching him on television and, you know, getting into the uh, Guinness Book of World Records. You know, that's, that's pretty amazing accomplishments. But what's your take on Kyle and Bryson and where the sport is kind of heading and where it's at? Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. I just to comment on, you know, Bryson, it was uh, it was interesting that you know, the, I was thinking back on the circumstances where we, in prior years, a long time ago, we used to invite the guys that were on the top of the driving distance uh, to come out and compete at the World Long Drive Championship. And virtually no one ever did it just because of the risk uh, to, you know, you know, if they're known as the longest hitter on tour, close to the longest hitter on tour, to come to the World Championship because it's sort of a different animal uh, back then, and, and it is now to a certain degree, that, uh, you know, it, it, it was potentially a big hit to somebody that, you know, to get blown, you know, the doors blown off at the World Championship. And in fact, uh, way, I think it was 1999, uh, Rory Sabatini, he was, um, I think, number two or three on the driving distance at, at the time on the PGA Tour. We invited him out. He came out, and he had a lot of balls in the grid, but I he was paired up with me, and I think I got him by... 50, 60 yards in the one set. Nice. And, uh, but, uh, you know, so we haven't had a lot of players from the PGA come and, you know, kind of dip their toe into log drive. If we take, uh, you know, kind of a, a snapshot way back when, the long drive was actually paired with the PGA championship. And a lot of the pros would hit and there would be the long drive specialist. And it was more of an even sort of mix way back when in the 70s um, time frame. Uh, that's when, you know, there was more of that sort of cohesiveness between the tour and the long drive professionals. But as time went on, those two paths diverged quite a bit. And not a lot of guys from the tour coming out, but Bryson uh, coming out this last year was, was amazing for the sport because he attracted so much attention, um, you know, to what's going on. And, you know, people thought, you know, he's got no chance. And then I, I wrote a couple of pieces and I said, you know, he's got a really good chance of making the top 16. He's got a good chance of making the, the final eight because he's got good speed, but he can control his golf ball, hit little draws, little fades, uh, up, down, uh, control the trajectory, control the spin rate. So um, I said, he, he, he potentially could do, you know, quite well for someone. And I think it's, uh, it's been excellent that he, came into the long drive and he's actually now invested into the professional long drivers association um, in itself as right. uh, one of the governing bodies that uh, he is invested in. So he's going to be um, more uh, to the forefront, I think going forward with long drive stuff. And it, it was awesome to see him out. The Unfortunately it wasn't on TV, but the YouTube uh, views were, were exceptional. And then the, um, uh, the, the Golf Channel sent a crew out to cover him, and it, it, it was exciting. And if if anybody has the chance, you can go PLDA World Championship 2021. You can look at it, and you can see how excited Bryson was. And it's probably some of the happier times that I've seen him uh, around the game of golf in the last couple of years. Like he really enjoyed it. Yeah. He was he was pumped to be there. He did really well, and he was excited. And uh, you know, he fed off the adrenaline of the crowd and of the other competitors, and he he general, gen, genuinely uh, enjoys it. And 
it's been excellent for the game and hopefully continue some of the momentum going forward in 2022 with the events and then uh, building to the, uh, the apex of the Professional Long Driver Association um, calendar with their world championship. And he definitely uh, uh, you know, took a little bit of heat in the beginning when he decided to bulk up and, and, and try to hit the ball longer. And, uh, and that's kind of when I started to appreciate him more because, you know, he's, he's always kind of beat his own drum, if you will. And, but this experimentation with, uh, you know, with his body and, and gaining muscle, and you said that in the CBC uh, video there, the best uh, thing for distance is muscle. So he's added a tremendous amount of it. It has been fun to watch him, you know, hit the ball, you know, at insane distances in a PGA Tour event. And and obviously he's had some wild shots and that comes with with power. But you know, we've mentioned Bay Hill last year driving over the par five and, and, and whatnot. But um, him investing into the long drive uh, platform is, is hopefully going to drive more you know, competitors in the future. Some of the younger players coming out will uh, probably be driven to compete in, in long drive competition. So, but my question would be on an Olympic level, what do you think about long drive competitions getting into the Olympics to, uh, in, in uh, the, the pros and cons of that? Well, it's an interesting, um, it's an interesting concept because it's, it's, it, you know, it, it isn't golf and golf is, in as part of, uh, as the summer olympics but it's it, it'd be a pretty simple thing to do as you know and and why not like oh you know what you know like the decathlon there's 10 events but you know they break those 10 events out separately as well right like there's the 100 meter there's the hurdles there's the the high jump you know what's wrong with breaking long drive out you know it's pretty simple like we can you know have the same format um you know participants but i mean you know it's not having to manage uh you know like a big site like a 18 hole golf course we need you know essentially a a, a range that's flat and fair that you know is 450 yards long but you know it's that is somewhat of a challenge sometimes to find the space in the bigger centers but and again we need something that's probably 100 yards wide or, or wider just to, to give a practice ground and such and but I mean, why not? And, um, you know, it could, you know, it, it's not that far fetched, you know, although, you know, it's, it would be certainly a fringe sport, but if we look at some of the other sports that have been included in the summer Olympics that, you know, that, you know, I'm not taking away from anything else, but you know, why not? It's, it's just as valid. It's part of the game of, of golf and it'd be simple to do. It's, you know, the maximum power event in golf it's, you know, kind of drag, I always call it the drag racing, the 100 meter dash, you know, it's, it's metal, pedal to the metal, fast mm -hmm. as you can go. And it, it's exciting. It's not boring. I guarantee you that it's exciting. And, you know, it would, I think it'd be a cool addition and it, it wouldn't be that hard to do. It's, uh, you know, just more people coming, you need the site, um, you need a qualification process. And, you know, there's some of the infrastructure there already throughout the world. There's different uh, PLDA, Professional Long Driver Association uh, organizations. You know, there would be, you know, you know, um, being involved in the Olympic code and, you know, coming up to speed on that stuff. But it, it, it's not beyond the realm of impossibility. That's well, when you think about it. Go ahead, Mike. Uh, I was just going to say the Olympic is almost all fringe sports, if you will, like shot put and all the, these crazy events. But that's what makes it fun to watch. Uh, so and I agree with you, uh, the long drive comp with an Olympic crowd. I mean, that, that would be really exciting. I think it would add to the cash day of golf being back in the Olympics. Absolutely. Definitely. Yeah, the, the sport's growing. The purses are getting ridiculous and it's a great spectator sport. Uh, we're just going to circle back to what's happened this weekend. I mean, we got the Champions Tour in Hawaii. We've got our boy Stephen Ames, who's uh, made his home in Calgary. You know, a T3. He had a really hot putter this weekend. So I uh, just wanted to give him a shout out, as well as Roger Sloan. Uh, you know, unfortunately, on the 17th, he hit it on the rocks. I don't know if anybody saw that footage. You'd have to go to PGA Tour Live to see him hit it off a boulder. His first shot went between a rock and a hard place, uh, and it, it ricocheted back onto the boulder where he chipped off and made a five. So that's great, and he ended up finishing uh, really well, a T14. So great, uh, great, great event for him. And then there's Brooke Henderson, solo second, barely any coverage on uh, television. I guess it's all the uh, talk with Canadian golf this morning. 
uh, over on uh, Twitter and all the social media feeds. You know, but, uh, the, you know, they have a lot of responsibilities uh, taking care of all their sponsors. So we understand that it's, it's an American show. We had this conversation with Adam Scully at TSN and, and also Mark Zucchino on why that happens. But, you know, they got to win, unfortunately, to, to get more, more coverage. The Americans are always going to get a little bit more coverage. But that brings me back to what we're talking about. We're talking about distance and things are changing in a very big way. On tour, you're starting to see because of all the um, technology that's available, the distance these guys are getting. Now, <laughs> I gotta say, Jason, when, back in 2000, when there was, you know, Tiger was coming on the scene, you were coming into the perfect, you know, time to come up in golf and get some notoriety on what you're doing. And there weren't very many long drive players, but now you're seeing these kids come out of college, even division three golf, hitting a 300 plus. If you're not hitting a 300, you don't have much of a chance on the PGA Tour for that matter. Um, your thoughts on the newer players coming up and what these guys are doing, not just Bryson, but there is a number of players who could hit a 300 plus and it's just growing. Technology has changed. So your view on technology and what's happening with the new athlete in professional golf? Oh, definitely. The uh... <laughs> funny you mentioned this you know kind of we see the the um, you know these the sequential escalation and you know these players coming out now with bigger speed hitting it longer all the time and <clears throat> sorry definitely something we see at TPI that we you know we're we're very involved in you know analyzing what's the trends obviously because we're the leading organization with respect to yeah, how you know how the body and swing go together, the the uh, implications of the body on the golf swing and such, and you know we see the trends that are happening, and um, uh, you know we see it, it from junior to the amateur, to, you know college to the pros, everybody's getting faster, you know all the way through that chain, and you know we see the next generation of guys, we see the guys juniors really moving it, we see the guys in college their ball speeds when we analyze the TrackMan or uh, uh, GC Quad, the foresight data, when we see their ball speeds the, and such, you know, there's other factors to hitting it far, but, you know, we have to have the appropriate launch and, and spin rates and such, but we see this trend of increasing and, you know, on the PGA Tour as well. So it's, um, you know, and that's obviously had cause for concern with the USGA and RNA and there's certain limitations and you guys are going to see some stuff coming down from them in the next bit that is, you know, controversial, I think. Um, but, you know, the players are getting longer. Okay, what's the reason for that? Is it technology? Okay, the golf ball, you know, if we see the trends, when we saw the biggest jumps, okay, uh, we saw the metalhead drivers, titanium was uh, very influential in, you know, creating more distance, you know, for a number of reasons. We saw the golf ball, i.e. Pro-V1, urethane, the solid ball, not the wound one, we saw a huge increase in distance as well. So we saw these incremental jumps in significant distance with those two factors. And as we see beyond that, we see a steady line, you know, essentially increasing a little bit each time. So that's extra technology in the heads, trying to eke out every, every, every mile an hour, every quarter mile an hour, half mile an hour ball speed, and also optimizing the launch conditions, the launch angle, the spin rate, uh, and, and such to give the, the player the maximum total distance. And also we see evolution in the athlete where, you know, if we look back even 20 years ago, you know, lifting weights, you know, strength training, power training, speed training, uh, mobility, you know, these things were, you know, not very coveted or explored with respect to golf you know other sports you know track and field it's always been a mainstay in uh, uh football and you know hockey to a certain degree and and uh, baseball to a degree but we saw golf was sort of left behind but we see the, the this generation of golfer athletes now and the technology that we have as well is massive you know way back when i started we didn't have track man we didn't have uh, a gc quad that could tell us this data that's hugely important to optimize all the way through the bag. And we didn't have the availability of 
you know, all the different analysis that we have now, we can analyze the, the body in three dimensions, what it's doing. We can analyze the ground forces, what's happening. Um, and also all the sports medicine or the sports, uh, uh, sports uh, uh, the uh, conditioning uh, data that we have now and performance data that has come out in the last 20 years. And it's readily available on the internet that we see, you know, these, super athletes coming to golf. So are we going to, you know, if, if things stayed the same, we just see the players hitting it a little bit farther, farther each time because we're creating big speed. Uh, you know, Bryson, he went, you know, he was kind of in that one, you know, a few years ago, 176 mile an hour, 174 kind of average. And then, you know, last couple of years, he's been, you know, well into the nineties, getting to, you know, 200 on course even. So that's huge with respect to, you know, total distance. And we see the trend going up and up as well. Every year we see that trend increasing with ball speed and that optimization of launch and spin. And, you know, Kevin Bryson, you know, he saw uh, an area where he can exploit, you know, by him doing the strength training, doing some mobility work, changing his, his technique with Chris Como, changing his equipment to to better be uh, to be optimized with what he's doing now versus what he did then. Um, you know, revamping his launch conditions. We saw this huge distance increase, and he saw a, a huge benefit, especially stroking it off the tee. And you know, kind of ratchet that down. You know, overall better scoring and better performance, i.e., wins. And he saw this and he exploited the, the vectors that were relevant to him. But I, I see that trend keep on increasing, but, uh, but equipment is important, but also, as you mentioned, the, you know, the new golf athlete as well. I think the technology, it's, uh, it's going to never end, uh, you know, and, you know, we all know about the driver shop limitations and whatnot. And uh, my thought, is the power hitters are going to figure out a way to squeeze yards out of their game, no matter what, if their shaft is shorter or not. But um, we're recently seeing carbon fiber coming into the face technology. And uh, I, it's been in the game for a little while. Uh, my iron shafts are made of carbon fiber and they're great. But now TaylorMade's released uh, their their driver. Um, and uh, so let's see where this goes um, now. And you have a role with Cobra and, and you consult them on uh, low degree drivers. Does Cobra have any uh, materials or I mean, can you talk about what Cobra has in the pipeline? Uh, definitely. The, uh, you know, we saw the introduction of uh, the TaylorMade Stealth driver this year, which is, um, you know, it's, 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 I would say shocking to a degree because if you guys remember all the old stuff, Yamaha, uh, Yonex, uh, Mitsubishi, or, uh, or Daiwa. Um, we're old enough to remember. We're old enough to remember. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, top flight, uh, Wilson with the composite whale. Yeah, so we, 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 we've saw this in the past, but this, uh, the new, you know, to tailor made to be, you know, diverge from the success of Sim and Sim 2 with a totally different, you know, platform. This is huge. And, uh, uh, it'd be interesting to see you know, how it's going to shake out, but it's very interesting, um, uh, you know, to for them to pivot from titanium to you know carbon fiber. It's 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 that's really substantial, and you know people think oh it's just another introduction, but this is really significant because if you think about the R and D, the, the you know the time, the money spent on Sim Sim Two, it's huge, and you know to, to going off in a different path. Um, they, uh, you know, they've, they've made a calculated uh, uh, gamble to a degree, I guess. But uh, with Cobra, yes, I, you know, for the last couple of years, I've been consulting on driver development and, and distance optimization performance the, on the high ball speed side, the low, low loft uh, specialization. And uh, we have a new driver this year as well. It's kind of revisiting the LTD limited longest total distance Um uh, kind of platform brand, and uh, we've got three drivers in that line. And what we try to do is, you know, have the high, you know, we have demanding players. We've got Bryson DeChambeau, very demanding. He wants the best thing in his hands, the driver that's going to go absolutely the longest and absolutely the straightest. So is it difficult to, to do that? Absolutely. But he pushes the envelope, he pushes Cobra to explore the envelope of 
you know, uh, what we can do with the driver head. So we've tried to build one of the best drivers that we come with uh, in the last number of years, the, the, uh, the LTD, and there's a number of di different ones in the line, but, you know, again, real high ball speed coming off the face, uh, low spin, optimal trajectory with the three different models kind of fit three different players, but, um, you know, a lot of different technology built into this one and it sounds really great, great performance. And uh, Bryson, you know, he, 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 he's, he, he loved it initially. And I think he's, he's, he's enjoying it. And Kyle Berkshire as well. We, we want to give Kyle the best tool in his hands uh, to perform at the highest level at the world long drive championship or in long drive and, and on the golf course when he goes to play. So, you know, we don't want these players to be disappointed and, you know, building a driver to address their needs is difficult, but then to address it for the average person is somewhat less difficult. So, you know, we've tried to make a driver that performs at the highest, highest level, and then we can we can make that driver perform for the average player uh, exceptionally well as uh, as well. So, it's uh, I, I think a, a very extremely good driver. Um, you know, go out and hit it. That's all I got to say. Compare it against everything else, and I, I think people. They won't be surprised because Cobra is often been synonymous with distance and performance and and, and quality products. And, and this one is uh, this one is exceptional. I and I, I I quite you know I I think we've got the performance dialed in with it, and it's uh, it's an excellent performance driver. Great. If you're just joining us, we're talking to Jason Zubak, six-time World Long Drive champion. And to your point, uh, Jason and Mike, you know, we're talking about tech, we're talking about fitness. Uh, we haven't touched too much on the mental game, but if we're looking at PGA Tour pros, uh, you know, this weekend playing over in California, PGA West, uh, Michael's very familiar with that golf course. You're playing La Quinta, Nicholas North Stadium. You're noticing, you know, distance doesn't really have much to do with a good game, depending on the golf course. Now you've got players who are hitting it $300 plus, but if you're not hitting it straight, there's a whole different type of game. And my point being, I, you know, I'm really excited to start seeing the transition of long drive players going into PGA qualifiers, be it Corn Ferry Tour or Mini Tours, because I don't think the transition's happening the other way around. Bryson is an outlier, right? But you're going to start seeing players because I think Berkshire even talked about the fact that he would like to play on tour. On what level, who knows? But a lot of I'm hearing a lot of chatter uh, on social media about players making that transition, and they're able to do it. I think they could do it better than the other way around, obviously. But um, that being said, uh, let's go into hey, what are your current plans, Jason? Uh, do you have any initiatives or do you have a schedule lined up for 2022? Uh, right now it's uh, with TPI, I am an advisory staff member and uh, an instructor in the Power Coach program where we talk about all things power and golf. We address, you know, what I call the the pillars of, of distance. Essentially we have uh, in, in our Power Coach program, we address uh, technique. So what techniques can we employ to get the absolute maximum amount of ball speed, the maximum amount of power, the maximum amount of distance? So technique-wise in our swing, what can we do to, to, uh, to maximize that? Then body, we talk about body, the engine. Um, the muscular action is what drives the golf swing. You know, we have some other things like the, you know, the timing of things, the, uh, the ground forces, but muscular action is what? creates the energy in the golf swing. So we talk about the engine as well, and also equipment as well. Uh, we, we have to optimize equipment. So um, we've had, had to do a hard pivot because our TPI Power Coach program had been only available uh, in-person seminar format, usually a, a two-day seminar format where we do throughout the entire world. But with uh, COVID, the, we have to pivot. And uh, since there was no travel for a long period of time, that we had to go to a Zoom-based format and also integrate more of a web-based course as well that people uh, could do. So uh, that we're involved in uh, uh, producing and uh, doing some Zoom Live uh, one-day courses along with our, our uh, web-based um, 
educational component to our power coach program. So we'll do that generally every quarter and then we'll hit certain topics like swing modifications, um, physical modifications, uh, equipment as well throughout the year with kind of one or two hour little quick hits um, on the Zoom format through our TPI uh, platform and myself working with Cobra as well. We've got new projects always ongoing. You know, the, the driver now is, you know, it's not like we don't do, you know, we're working on things, you know, a year, two years, three years going forward. So there's always interesting projects uh, working forward with that. But again, we want to have the best products going forward. We want to have the, you know, be synonymous with the longest drivers on the planet, longest total distance. And and um, and also, I generally have a pretty full schedule of exhibitions and outings that I do. But with COVID, again, that sort of got all canceled. So hopefully that will come back a little bit this year after we get past the uh, uh, the, the latest wave and, and, and yeah. such. So it's, you know, it's been, you know, kind of tough to, you know, as, as far as the departure from this uh, extensive travel schedule that I had. But um, it's uh, hopefully, you know, be... Uh, some things come back online in the in the future, and uh, there's always different little projects as well. So uh, it, it's always interesting. So some stuff on the fitness side I can't really talk about right now, and and hopefully maybe a competition or two going forward this year. The, the Professional Long Drivers Association have a number of tour events and the World Championship, so it piqued my interest to maybe get back in and hit with the hit with the guys and, the, and enjoy that again. But um, you know, there's there's always uh, uh, things popping up in the distance world and distance optimization. I've got a number of players I work with on the physical side, the mental side, and uh, and also the equipment side to to optimize uh, uh, their distance potential. You know, whether it be professional, amateur, or you know the, the upper echelon long drive competitors as well. Mm -hmm. This might be a good time for us to uh, jump into our drink well and upper hand cards and collectibles. That's upperhand.ca. Top 10 things that happened this weekend. You can go on a lighter note here and talk about some maybe some silly, funny, or really cool things that we saw on one of the tours. I'll start off by talking about Rory Sabatini. Um, I don't know if you saw his colorful outfit and hat. He had a, a big straw white hat on along with a big Hawaiian shirt and his really tight pants. Uh, it went pretty viral on social media. They had him, actually the PGA Tour put it up, of him taking off his sweater over his hat, and nobody knows how his hat still stayed on. It was like glued on to his mug, and he's, he's a quite a colorful character. But uh, that was one of the moments I remember this weekend. Mike, you got anything? Well, probably the mechanic, you know, winning in the playoffs <laughs> stands out to me. Um, he's just such a character. He's smoking cigars. He <laughs> doesn't really look like the pillar of fitness, but yeah. uh, he's a hell of a golfer. And mm -hmm. uh, and he made a big putt to get into the playoff and capitalized uh, on Alker uh, not not making that birdie when he should have uh, on the first playoff hole. But uh, yeah, the, 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 he's always a character to watch. Absolutely. How about you, Jason? Uh, did you catch any golf this weekend? Anything stand out? Uh, you know, I tried to um, I tried to catch everything. They, uh, uh, you know, Thomas Peters winning the uh, DP World Tour event in Abu Dhabi. Oh yeah. That yeah, that was that was good. The, uh, he's got a great golf swing, and I've always mm -hmm. been a fan of his. The uh, uh, you know beautiful beautiful action, and you know when he puts it together, and it seems you know he. Um, you know, he made the equipment change to Titleist. It looks like he's got Titleist throughout the the whole bag, and mm -hmm. it's uh, yeah, it's a, it uh, you know it's it, it's working well for him, and you know, good win for him there. Um, uh, I, I watched the uh, the LPGA as well, and you know, I was just, I, I saw Brooke way up on the leaderboard, and I, I kept on looking for her, and I couldn't find her, and they showed her I think on 17 and maybe 18, so just maybe a few seconds of coverage max right and then i you know i felt a little short change as a canadian that you know she's an exciting player to watch she you know she's got a great swing she hits it long uh you know she's you know she's 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 a great player and you know i was just a little bit disappointed i didn't see a little bit more of her on the broadcast and it was great to see steven uh i call steven names a friend of mine that you know i've known him for many many years and um he's really enjoying life on the champions tour and you know he was you know contending pretty much the whole weekend and 
uh, you know, hit the ball, hit the ball great and uh, a great finish for him. And uh, I, I couldn't be happier for him. And, uh, you know, just, uh, you know, it was a nice, you know, kind of well-rounded weekend with some, uh, some great golf. And then uh, in the desert, the guys and, uh, you know, John Rom, he had some choice words for kind of the course setup. Yes. I think you, you can, you can Google it. And yeah, there was a, that, yeah. that went viral yeah. as well with that video <laughs> talking about it being a putting contest uh, to right. uh, paraphrase it lightly. But that, that was uh, interesting. You know, I want to give a big shout out to our 10 Canadians who played on tour this week. And a lot of people don't realize how many guys we've got trying week in, week out on all the tours. So you got obviously Mike Weir. Everybody knows who he is. Um, he started off out in Hawaii, did really well. Stephen Ames, Adam Hadwin, Roger Sloan, Corey Connors, Nick Taylor, Adam Spenson, Michael Glickich, Taylor Pendrith, and of course, like you mentioned, Jason Brooke Henderson. Anything else, Mike? Um, I really like that tournament in the desert. So because uh, I played the course, both the Nicholas tournament course and the stadium course, course many times um uh, so for me it's it's kind of feels like a second home watching it um the course when you're there live the, the hazards they're much deeper when you're there in person let's put it that way um there, there's you don't see the third hole very much but there's these really deep pot bunkers all around inside 150 and in towards the uh, green and you'll ruin your round in a hurry so uh watching these pros navigate that course and and uh, shoot low scores through it uh, it's just it's entertaining to me oh absolutely look guys uh, we're running close to oh 40 minutes so we're doing really well if you're just uh joining us again we're with Jason Zubak, six-time world long drive champion, also a TPI professional helping out with fitness, movement. Um, but most people don't know that he is also a pharmacist. Tell us about how your family took it when you went to school, went off to be a pharmacist, and then went off to be a, uh, have a career in golf. You, there must have been a lot of grind to get your career going in golf, uh, it being so early in the game. So tell us about that journey of being a pharmacist and then becoming a professional uh, long drive golfer. Uh, right. Uh, in, I graduated from uh, the University of Alberta in 1993 uh, from the Faculty of Pharmacy. So uh, after graduation, I started practicing. But, you know, everybody, you know, when you play golf, you always have the dream of trying to play for a living or, or do, you know, when you're a young, you know, a fellow or young lady, you know, oftentimes if, you, if you're a sportsman, you'll, you know, let your thoughts and dreams go to being a professional and doing it for a living one day. And, uh, you know, I, when I started competing and I, I just did it for the love of competing. I, uh, enjoyed hitting the golf ball far and I thought it'd be a fun thing to do. And, you know, I, I originally wanted to play for a living. That would be better in my opinion, but I thought, oh, this long drive stuff, it's fun and it's exciting. And I love, you know, I love all the associated things you have to do to be good at long drive with the physical training and the mental preparation and obviously the range time that you need to spend and the, the speed training and all these things that you need to do to be uh, to, to, to be good at it. So I really enjoyed that aspect. And, and uh, you know, my body was pretty durable because I could hit hundreds and hundreds of balls and not break down. And, uh, but yeah, my mom wasn't too impressed that, uh, you know, at, at one time I had to depart from my pharmacy career to, you know, do my, my schedules just got so busy with exhibitions and outings and uh, corporate events and charity events and such to, that I just couldn't uh, manage, you know, a full-time job or even a part-time pharmacy job and, um, and doing the long drive full-time. So um, it, it was a different, a difficult decision, but um, luckily I was, I had a lot of success in the long drive early, you know, my first time making it to the championship, winning the whole thing, then winning again, winning again. So uh, there was a lot of traction there with all the wins and the coverage at the time on TV and, and the, back then no internet. So it was magazines. So I had a lot of exposure and um, it, it uh, you know, it was difficult, but uh, you know, it, you know, trying to make a business model with that and, you know, to get some sponsorship and then winning championships, obviously winning events, uh, just like tour uh, provides some financial resources and then uh, doing corporate events and such. So you have to hustle pretty good to, to eke out a living, but it was, uh, it, it was a fun time. And, um, you know, that departure was tough, 
but uh, it, you know, I'm, I, you know, I kind of, I switch gears now to more instruction, you know, player development, uh, player maximization, you know, consulting and, you know, apart from competing for a living. So it's, it's kind of changed again, but uh, you know, there's, I, I do love the, the pharmacy element and I love, you know, chemistry, I love healthcare, I love helping people. And uh, uh, you know, I've been doing, you know, a little work and with all the things that are going on nowadays, just to promote healthcare and, you know, health within the context of our current environment. Well, that's a great natural segue into the nutrition side of things. And I know we talked a little bit before the show about uh, doping and golf and, but uh, maybe uh, can you elaborate on proper nutrition, what golfers could be doing to, you know, what, what should they be drinking for before and after and during around, um, you know, and, you know, tap into your pharmaceutical background uh, with that. Cause uh, uh, I know you're a wealth of information there. Right, so a hot dog and a beer at the turn isn't optimal nutrition. Right? <laughs> Tastes good. Yeah, I thought it's pretty good. I, you know, funny story. One of the, I was playing with a good buddy of mine. His name, uh, Jason Mann, and he's uh, involved in the, uh, the the energy sector here in Calgary. And we played a lot of golf together. And the uh, we're playing at a course uh, called Cottonwood. It's part of the Windmill Group now, and so one of our courses here. A nice layout in the River Valley. And I was seven under going into number nine and I hit a really nice drive just in front of the water. And, uh, and I, uh, I proceeded to my next one, I laid the sod over and chunked it in the water, made a bogey there. And my, my buddy, Jason, he says to me, what, 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 what you know, you're playing so well, you're hitting all your wedges close. Like what, what? yeah, I think it was about 110 yards, perfect sort of little back off lob wedge, you know, maybe, you know, go eight under at the turn. And he's like, what are you thinking? I'm like, I couldn't decide to get a hamburger or a hot dog at the turn. So <laughs> it, it, it relates to the nutrition side. So on course, obviously we see all the guys, they're eating protein bars, they're making, you know, they're, they take food with them on the course, you know, uh, nutritionally sound alternatives. Um, you know, like, it, you know, it depends. Like when we're on the course, Obviously, you know, hydration is hugely important. If we're dehydrated, uh, it's gonna uh, it's gonna affect our performance negatively. So we have to stay hydrated. And how do we stay hydrated? Generally, you know, water, uh, you know, different uh, Gatorade, like sports drinks to provide the electrolytes in there. But water with just a pinch of like Himalayan sea salt in there is mm. is generally enough to, uh, to you know to keep us going and drink frequently throughout the round as well. We, we just don't need to take a leader down at the turn and maybe a couple sips. But if you see what the guys on tour do, it's a it's a solid continuous consumption of water and, or they have a, um, you know, some of the guys use different hydration formulas and such, but you know, for the average person, um, uh, you know, a water, uh, a jug of water, a bottle of water with just a pinch of Himalayan sea salt in there, mix it up. And that's a, that's a you know, reasonable hydration, hydration solution. And then also, you know, if you think about it, how long is a golf round for you guys? Like, you know, five hours, maybe maybe a little bit less, four and a half, maybe a little bit longer, five and a half, whatever. But like, if you don't have anything to eat over those five hours, there's a chance that, you know, we're not going to have optimum performance as far as, you know, having a stable blood sugar, having enough energy. And also the, you know, not only the muscles, but also the mind, the mind needs to be fueled as well. So to have, you know, some snacks, throughout the course of the round, you know, some guys will take, you know, peanut butter, uh, peanut butter, jelly sandwiches on tour, you know, with them, you know, eat half of it, um, six holes in another six holes. Other guys will opt for, you know, what we don't want is, you know, big sugary, uh, snacks that dump a lot of uh, sugar into the system at one time. Cause it causes our, our blood sugar to spike. And, uh, you know, it, it generally isn't the best choice to have the, like a, a nice, even energy. So, um, Usually, like if we think about, you know, protein, fat, fiber, you know, some nuts, trail mix, um, you know, different, uh, you know, we need some protein, usually a little bit of fat and fiber. And that that kind of kind of draws those energy, uh, draws that energy supply nice and evenly throughout the round. So to have, you know, some good snacks, you know, protein bars, good, uh, some trail mix, um, you know, there, there's a wide variety of things where we can have. But again, stay hydrated and then have appropriate nutrition, you know, throughout that round, like every, you know, couple hours have something just to keep us supplied with the, 
for energy, you know, not only to fuel the muscles, but also the mind. Well, that's a, that's a very good point. Well, thanks for all the information. I kind of started off pretty funny. And, you know, something that we do here, Jason, every week is we do funny or embarrassing golf stories. So I want you to take a moment and think about that. I'll start off by going back to 2007 when I was part of CJD 800 AM. I used to be an assistant professional at the Royal Montreal Golf Club. And in 2007, we had the President's Cup. We had an opening press conference over at the club uh, uh, on a Monday, I believe. And after the press conference, we went out to uh, have some food at the club, uh, you know, class A treatment, everything was great. I ran into some members, went on the second floor, went, went walking down the hallway and I got into a conversation. A friend of mine left. I was just about to go to the washroom and three people came out of the boardroom. It was Gary Player, Jack Nicholas, and a few members. So they were just coming out of some meeting and I was just standing in front of the door. So Gary Player comes straight up to me and he says, okay, where do we go now? And I said to him, I don't know. Uh, I was already in shock because I have Gary Player standing in front of me asking me a question. And he goes, oh, you're not part of the team. Okay, uh, where's the bathroom? <laughs> that was the next question. So I told him it's down the hallway on the left. And, uh, you know, obviously I, I had a smile ear to ear, but that was uh, kind of a coincidental moment and my Gary Player moment. <laughs> so do you guys have any uh, funny or embarrassing golf stories? Uh, I know J uh, Mike and I have uh, shared quite a few over the uh, last uh, 15 shows that we've done. How about you, Jason? I know you've played in some match play and skin games with some notable golfers as well. Oh yeah, definitely the uh, uh, probably one of the more notable ones, uh, and one of the pr probably the funnest and one of the more uh, highlights of my career was that uh, we played a uh, a two man. Uh, uh, it was a combination of skins and KPs on some par fours. So it was Jason Gore and myself against Bubba Watson and Kevin Stadler. Great. And wow. yeah, it was, it was a pretty cool deal. The, uh, uh, so, you know, two big hitters, Bubba and my, and, and at the time, Jason Gore was you yep. know playing really well on the tour and Kevin Stadler, again, another stand standout on the tour and, um, Albertson's put up a million dollars to, um, uh, you know, it was a, a combination of the skins and, and the KPs, but your if your team didn't play well, your charities could have got zero and we didn't get any of that money it was it was all for the charity so i played for um i think big brothers and big sisters jason gore had special olympics and then bubba had a, you know so four really great charities and uh that was you know one of the cooler ones and, and uh uh on the one hole the um there's a par five and i just unleashed one right down the middle it was like 400 you know 20 yards and uh then i hit the I hit the, I it could have been a little bit longer, maybe 430. It was in, uh, uh, in, uh, at the Albertsons, uh, Boise, uh, tournament in, on the, uh, corn ferry tour. And I hit the wedge to, uh, I hit a lob wedge to about three feet and, and, uh, and, um, Bubba and Kevin Stadler gave it to me. And I said, hey, you guys don't think I could putt? And they said, we don't want to even see you try to putt that one. So that was a, <laughs> a pretty cool one. The, uh, uh, one of the like funnier stories I'm playing in, um, in uh, Johnny Miller's event in Salt Lake City called the Champions Challenge. So it's a two-man team competition scramble. And there's a lot of good players from the PGA Tour, from the LPGA uh, champions tour and hall of famers and you know some celebrities mixed in as well but it's it's a very competitive tournament so uh, it's uh you know through through the years and the first time we were invited by johnny miller he uh, you know johnny said oh you guys would be a great addition for the entertainment value and we said well don't you think we can win he's like not a chance you guys don't have a chance to win against these pga players hall of famers uh <laughs> But we ended up winning that that, that competition twice nice. um, against you know some of the uh, the legends of the game. So that was a, a that was a pretty cool one. And uh, uh, on the one hole, I remember Gary Player and his partner were playing in front of us, and 
it was 440 yards and it's in Salt Lake City, so it's elevation, not much wind. I drove the green and those guys were putting out. So I walked up there and I apologized profusely. I said, Mr. Player, I'm so sorry. I didn't think I could actually hit it that far and I didn't mean to. And there was a huge gallery around and he puts his arm around me and he goes, ladies and gentlemen, this man is not human. He <laughs> <laughs> got a pretty good chuckle, but uh, yeah, that uh, throughout the years has been some pretty amazing stuff, uh, uh, you know, to travel to see, you know, the, the old course to, to Japan, to China, to um, all over the world. And, um, you know, some of these special events like the, the scramble and the, the, the champions challenge and uh, throughout the things it's, it's been a, it's been a pretty cool, pretty cool, uh, uh, opportunity to, uh, to to pair up with the LPGA play, Champions Tour and the and the uh, PGA Tour players at, at times. Well, how about that Pinnacle um, uh, World Challenge or World Tour? Uh, I saw a few clips up. I remember the commercials from w- back in the day too. Uh, you're hitting balls at the Eiffel Tower and all kinds of spots. Oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> run, 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 run us through that. What that experience was like because uh, uh, it's pretty neat segment to watch. Yeah, originally the, uh, the the ad company came to Pinnacle with the idea that you know this Pinnacle will drive across America. That was the first one, and the the thought was okay. So Jason hits it really far. He's this world or this long drive champion, and we're going to hit a golf ball all across America. And at the time, it was actually cheaper to do it on site at all the sites that they had proposed than to do it in a green screen. So the first site with the Pinnacle Drive Across America was at the top of the Empire State Building. So we actually went to the, the absolute top of the Empire State Building as far as you can go humanly and actually stand there and swing a golf club. So there's a deck above the normal observation deck that the highest point you could go and look over New York City. We went to this next deck, but again, it's a, it's a metal grate floor to it so it's not particularly great for and it was around american thanksgiving so in november and it was dead calm on the ground level but when you get at the top of the empire state building it's blowing 80 miles an hour and it's (laughs) probably below zero so it was crazy like cold and i couldn't feel my hands and i'm like i've got about six swings for you guys like i i felt really uncomfortable yeah you know swinging and what they wanted me to do is tee it up and swing as hard as I could. Don't hit the ball because there's liability issues, right? Yeah. <laughs> and just but make it look like you hit it. So we we did that. And then uh, at the top of the Empire State Building, we did it outside a diner in New Jersey, then in Las Vegas at this tiny little hotel. And then in a couple of the sites were sort of combined. Uh, then one was in a swimming pool and I think San Antonio, Texas. And the last one in that series concluded on the beach in California. So on the beach in California, I hit it and uh, it was kind of this going off into the distance. And then I won the championship the next year. So we continued to drive across the the world where the ball had landed on a boat. And so now I'm driving off this boat. So then I won the championship the next year again. So we had to continue this drive across the world campaign. So that was in across uh, from Big Ben and the Parliament Building in London, we actually shot, and there was an anarchist rally at the same time. So there was a, you know, some uh, some stuff happening that was a little bit uncomfortable and such. Just give so, you a yeah. target. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, shooting on site uh, in, in London was awesome, and then we we caught the train to uh, to Paris, and we shot in front of the Eiffel Tower, and. It was a, another great experience, and uh, yeah, so that that campaign was a, a pretty cool one where it was not intended to go more than a year, but my success at Long Drive kind of necessitated uh, a, a farther reach of that campaign. Yeah, that's very cool. Amazing, amazing. Well, how could uh, people reach you, uh, Jason, and uh, kind of follow you either on social media or your website? Maybe you could give us uh, some information on that. Sure, I, I'm still uh, I'm working on an update to the website right now, so it would be uh, jasonzuback.ca when it comes online. And uh, right now, the, probably the, the easiest way is through uh, Instagram, uh, uh, Golfzilla Zuback, and then uh, 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 Golfzilla Zuback uh, on Twitter as well. 
that you can find me. So uh, uh, there's a, a couple different ways. Um, you know, I'm still, you know, the YouTube stuff I'm kind of working on a little bit as well. I, you know, through the years, I've been just so busy to maximize that. And I should have started doing it a long time ago because, you know, obviously that's a huge factor in uh, marketing in today's environment. So uh, the guys that do it really well, like Kyle Berkshire, he's got a, you know, really uh, uh, substantial uh, Instagram account. And then his YouTube channel is quite, quite exceptional as well. And, you know, obviously Bryson pushing the, uh, the pedal down on on the uh, social media as well as YouTube and Instagram and you know everything I've uh, been on Twitter you know the all the different modalities and but it's a uh, it's a great way to you know catch up with the guys and you know even the even the the big golf companies they they realize that you know the benefit of the social media and having a social media presence with their players as well so well Jason it's a great brand Golfzilla Golfzilla we love it so you, you can find them at Golfzilla everywhere. Uh, Mike, any final thoughts or mentions? Uh, Jason as well. Let's start with Mike. Um, no, thank you again, Jason, for coming on. And uh, obviously, a shout out to uh, Drinkwell and Upper Hand Collectibles. Um, and you can find us at uh, thegolfpodcast.live on Instagram and uh, the podcast live on Twitter. We're across uh, about 10 platforms altogether now, all the podcast uh, channels. So, uh, so, yeah, check us out. We'll be posting this uh we're live now on youtube but as you know it'll be uh, up by tomorrow on all the other podcast channels jason oh, for sure the um you know just to summarize the you know for people that want to explore distance you know probably the the, the easy button that we can hit is through fitting you know if we want uh you know, without doing anything in the gym or having an evaluation of our mobility <laughs> anything we can go to a good club fitter and we can find some distance there, you know, whether it be perhaps a new driver of the year, or perhaps optimizing performance with, you know, that shaft head combination, but, you know, a good driver fitting, you know, getting the golf ball out of the center of the face a lot more, optimizing our launch conditions. That's the easy button with distance, like just get optimized with performance, you know, buying something off the rack that might work, but, you know, paying that fitting fee, and getting fit by, you know, somebody that's got really good experience, that's, you know, very versed in uh, the different brands, that's not pushing an agenda, that, you know, can act, act, be a significant vector of distance improvement. And that's the easy button. Now, the next one, it, it's not all that complex. You know, it's the body. You know, how's our mobility? How's our strength? How's our power? And then we can design programs to address limitations of those things. How is our body moving throughout the golf swing? Is it efficient? Is it not efficient? And evaluation is the key because if we're, if we're just guessing that that's a poor way and making changes or, you know, even directing training, we need to know where we're at and where we want to go. So the body is, is hugely important. And then the next thing is technique, you know, from our PGA professional, like if we have solid technique, you know, creating efficient power, maybe exploring some elements of creating power and distance that might not be conventional, that, yeah, you know, just for instance, you know, is taught for so long that the player, we need to keep that lead foot on the ground. You know, we need to have that stable hips and then make that big coil with the, the shoulders and create that tension. But the last, you know, number of years, if we look at, you know, what guys are doing now to create big speed, we're letting that heel come off the ground, the hips are turning a little more, we're getting a bigger total turn, more time to apply force through the swing and create bigger distance. And, you know, it's kind of throwback to Jack Nicholas, Gary Player, um, uh, you know, Sam Sneed, we look at Hogan, we look at, you know, all the, all the great players of that, you know, there's great players that leave that we put on the ground, but, you know, lifting that lead heel, you know, is a simple, um, something simple we could do to give us a little more mobility and a little more time or a little more distance to apply force to the grip to create big speed. So little technique changes can, can, can be profound in creating distance. So we have the technique, we've got the body, we've got the equipment, they all come together to produce the, uh, the best results. But again, you know, a, a TPI professional in your area, uh, we, you can search it through the website to have a physical evaluation, um, 
and a lot of our TPI professionals are golf professionals as well. There's ones on the physical side, there's TPI medical professionals. So whatever you need, there's a professional out there. Um, you know, shout out to my friends at Cobra, give Cobra a follow on, on the social media, got some great products coming. The new driver is excellent in my opinion. Um, uh, my friends at TPI, it's mytpi.com. It's a, it, there's a wealth of free information on the site and anybody interested in that body, the body swing connection. And that, that's where it's at to, uh, you know, to create, you know, kind of pain-free, uh, golf swing, uh, effortless power, um, uh, uh, efficiency. Um, you know, we don't believe that there's one golf swing that should be taught. There's an infinite way to swing a club, but there's one right golf swing for you. And that's sort of the whole uh, basis of our TPI uh, philosophy. And then also maximization uh, on these other parameters. But uh, uh, big shout out to Crank Golf. If you want to follow the Long Drive, uh, Professional Long Drivers Association and Amateur Long Drive ALD as well. That's another organization that's offering uh, competitions on the amateur level, professional level, military level as well. Um, and my friends at uh, Titleist as well. I've been uh, part of the Titleist fold on the golf ball side, pinnacle golf ball side. Uh, so big thank you to them over the years. Crank Golf as well. And, um, you know, there should be some great stuff with Long Drive this year. Uh, keep your eyes peeled. And I'm sure Bryson will be, uh, you know, launching him into orbit every tour event, but also having an uh, impact in the Long Drive as well. So uh, give Kyle Berkshire a follow, Martin Borgmeyer a follow. Um, uh, you know, there's a, there's a whole host of... Uh, uh, you know, some great content out there that uh, you see some of the longest hitters in the world and you could always pick up a few little tips, might help your game at a few more yards, never hurts. Jason, thanks for sharing all that information, just a wealth of information. You know, uh, you guys have been listening to the Golf Podcast Live brought to you by FanDuel, our new affiliate partner. Make sure you check out all the links because we're launching our FanDuel one and dones as well as our best bets on FanDuel. Drinkwell, of course, and upper hand cards and collectibles. Let's not forget ECS, Evolve Creative Solutions, for all your digital marketing needs. Man, this has been really great. Thanks uh, for coming on. And uh, join us next week as we talk to Len Matisse, uh, the PGA Tour player, uh, most infamously known for finishing second to Mike Weir at the Masters in 2003. Hope you could join us then. Again, thanks a lot, Jason. We'll, we'll see you on the golf course, hopefully, and maybe we'll get around it. Yeah.